If you'd open your Bibles to Joel, the second chapter, we'll be looking at verses 1 through 11 today. Hear now the word of the Lord. Blow a trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is near, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Like blackness there is spread upon the mountains a great and powerful people. Their like has never been seen before, nor will be ever after them through the years of all generations." Fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is like a garden of Eden before them, but behind them is a desolate wilderness. Nothing escapes them. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses, like war horses they run. As as with the rumbling of chariots, they leap on the tops of mountains, like the crackling of a flame of fire devouring the stubble. Like a powerful army draws up for battle. Before them people are in anguish, all faces grow pale. Like warriors they charge, like soldiers they scale walls. They march each on his way. They do not swerve from their path. They do not jostle one another. Each marches in his path. They burst through the weapons and are not halted. They leap upon the city. They run upon the walls. They climb up into the houses. They enter through the windows like a thief. The earth quakes before them. The heavens tremble. The sun and the moon are darkened, and the stars withdraw their shining. The Lord utters his voice before his army, for his camp is exceedingly great. He who executes his word is powerful, for the day of the Lord is great and very awesome. Who can endure it? Let us pray. Lord God Almighty, this is a hard passage, and it's confusing. We would beg that you would move in this place, that you would fill your people in this room with your spirit, that they would be lifted up, that they would find you in the midst of this terrifying army. Lord, bless the preaching of your word. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Jesus called a woman a dog. It was about 1993. I had become pretty serious about Jesus, had had begun buying commentaries and 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 books and had begun an earnest study of God's word. And a friend of mine came home from college and we were spending time together and Jesus called a woman a dog. You see, he'd taken a religious class at his college from somebody who hated Jesus. So naturally, I didn't believe it. Jesus didn't call anybody a dog. Then he had me open my Bible because he had memorized where that passage was. And right there, in red and white. Yeah, I used to have a red edition Bible, right? Because you had to have the red edition, right? When I was growing up, it's read the red, right? Um, Had no idea that all of the word of God was the word of God. But anyhow, right there in red and white, Jesus called a woman a dog. The Bible is not an easy book. God is not an easy God. And Joel fits all these criterias. It's not one that we choose for our quiet times, is it? Hey, I'm feeling kind of low. Let me read about locusts. Let me read about plagues. Let me read about the dreadful day of the Lord. In chapter 1, we find that there's this this plague of locusts that's coming up. The 
the cutting locust and the swarming locust and the hopping locust and the destroying locust and they come wave after wave after wave and they just devour everything. And we think, does God really use nature to curse mankind? It's one of the things we think of right now because we're coming in to hurricane season, right? Right? Elsa's on her way. And it used to be that Elsa was a good thing, right? Because she sang about letting it go and stuff. But, but no, we've got a tropical storm coming our way and we're watching it because we're afraid and we're, we're concerned and, and we really don't want that, that TV preacher to get on and say, this is God's judgment on America. Because that's not helpful. And he also is just, what we talked about last time, pointing to everybody else. Everybody else needs to change their behavior. I'm okay, but you're bad. Very clearly not the message of the Bible. But God does use nature to curse mankind. Yeah, right, right? Next you're going to be telling me that demons possess people. Yes, demons possess people. The Bible testifies that God curses mankind, but with the very creation that he gave them to bless them. We find in the fall that God draws forth thorns and thistles from the ground. You ever walking through the woods and you catch a thistle? You get hung up in a briar sometime? Mom, Dad, take you blackberry picking ever? I often wonder, when did God create mosquitoes? Right? Or when did he create mosquitoes? Was it, was it before the fall or after the fall? Sometimes I feel like it, it may have been after, but I know this is heresy. Um, and sometimes I think I wish you know, Noah had just, you know, <laughs> that, would have, that would have changed everything, right? And, and, but when did mosquitoes start sucking blood? Maybe it was before the fall. Do you know, kids, that boy mosquitoes don't bite humans? Do you know this? Did, it, did, anybody, did anybody not know this? There's a bunch of people that didn't know this, did you? It's women. They're all the problem, right? No, no. You know why girl mosquitoes bite you? They need the protein of the blood for their babies. Isn't that a weird thing for your kids to know, right? <laughs> Clearly, Mama's teaching them. Or Pastor Steve has had this conversation with them before. But what does the Bible tell us about blood? What does the Bible tell us about blood? Where there's blood, there's life. And so maybe it just didn't niche, right? Maybe you could just say, hey, look, I, I, I want to see Christ in these female mosquitoes, Right? Because through Eve, we have life, right? Not just we're born through Eve, but, but through Eve, we have redemption. That's what God thinks of women. That it is, it is in Eve that, that God promises the seed of Jesus. What about poison ivy? Why did God create that? Did God really weaponize creation against man? Does God bring famines and plagues 
into the world. Well, I know he did because of Joseph, right? Joseph had the famine and he got to be the head honcho because of that. And, and I know that there was, there was a bunch of plagues in Egypt with uh, Moses, right? Moses came to town. Anybody know how many plagues there were? Anybody know? Anybody have any guess? They were 10, right? Um, and so, can you name them now? There's blood to water, right? I'm going to just read them off because that way. Blood to water is wrong, right? Water to blood is right. Frogs, lice, flies, livestock, pestilence, which I don't know what that looks like, but I've been on farms with livestock, and any time there's any kind of bad thing, it's really horrible. Boils, hail, locusts, darkness, and killing of the firstborn. But you know what? That's cool because that's the enemies of God. God, God is not going to do that to his church. Joel chapter 2. God goes on to explain the discipline he's bringing to his children. And, and this imagery is, is beautiful. I had a Hebrew professor who was like, if you could just read Joel in the Hebrew, it is so beautiful. And I'm like... Blow the trumpet. This is beautiful. But it is. Blow the trumpet. Sound the alarm. The day of the Lord is coming. Okay, wait. I was worried for a second. You're like, blow the trumpet. Everybody get ready. The day of the Lord is coming. Oh, good. Now I'm okay, right? Because God's coming. I'm fine. I'm okay. The the Lord is coming. I shouldn't be worried. This is great news. It's a day that he's going to bless us. We're going to get stuff. He's going to lift us up. We're going to have parties. Verse 2. A day of darkness and gloom. A day of clouds and thick darkness. This doesn't sound like the day of the Lord that I was hoping for. Darkness spreads over the mountains. A great and powerful people there like they've never been seen before. There's an army coming, and it's so numerous that it will never be a, as happen again. This army that's coming is so great that the world will never see an army like it. And it's a day of darkness. It's a day of sadness because the day of the Lord is coming. Boy, that's a lot of doom and gloom, isn't it? So W.C. Fields, you remember W.C. Fields? When he was dying, he was in his hospital room and he was thumbing through his Bible. Not his Bible, a Bible. A friend came to his hospital bed and, and said, why are you looking at the Bible? And he said, I'm looking for loopholes. I'm looking for a loophole. Anybody ever hear about uh, or interested in NDEs? Anybody ever get excited about reading accounts of NDEs, near-death experiences? Those are big now, aren't they? People that go to heaven and come back and tell the stories. People who've had trauma and, and, they, and they recount their near-death experience. One of the big first ones was uh, Betty Eady. Did anybody ever read her book? Betty Eady, she had wrote a book called Embraced by the Light. Do you remember that? Anybody remember that? 
was huge. She had she had, had a, a, a surgery and and it didn't go well and and she claims to have gone for six hours into heaven and God sent her back to write a book. And and in her account, she said, When I died, I was greeted by three angelic beings and they told me about my past lives. Okay. Not in the scriptures. It's appointed for a man to die once, and after this comes the party, the judgment. But she does get to meet Jesus, and Jesus came and hugged her, and he answered all of her questions, and he took her for a tour. And she came back with with great news. She said there was no hint of judgment. There was no hell, no condemnation. In fact, Jesus never wanted to do or say anything that would offend me. It's great news. It's just a lie. It's just a total lie. But the American church, we often love that version of Jesus. I mean, there's... There's a question that is sung in a song, you know, you know, what will I do when I see Jesus? Will I dance for you? You know, in all of you, will I be still? Right? Well, everybody I've ever seen, every godly, faith-driven man, woman, child that interacts with Jesus in the Bible ends up on their face for the terrifying nature of the God we serve. But the American church doesn't, doesn't like that version of Jesus. In fact, we separate Jesus out. We, we talk about Jesus of the Old Testament being God of the Old Testament. We don't even make Jesus the God of the Old Testament. And we talk about the God of the Old Testament being a God of wrath. He's a mean God. But, but gone is that God. The new, improved God is a God that hugs you, gives you a tour, and never would do anything to offend you. So I didn't know what to do when my friend said Jesus called a woman a dog. I mean, we could think of the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, verse 1. We really like that verse. Judge not, lest thou be judged, right? I mean, we forget to read verses 2 through 5 that explain how to judge people. Like, it lays out, here's how you judge people. Um, But we really do not like verse 6. Do not give to dogs what is holy. Do not throw pearls before pigs. For they will trample them underfoot, and they will attack you. The instruction is so harsh. How... How is a pastor, because Jesus is instructing the disciples who will instruct the pastors who will be the givers of the word and deliver the word and preach the word for generations upon generations. That's what we're doing now. How, How does a pastor know if they're giving themselves, giving the good things to dogs, giving the pearls to pigs? When I was a young pastor, I, I was working with, with a family, and, and I had poured myself into them. I had done so much to love and care for them. And they were, they were so rebellious to God's word. And finally, an older pastor sat down with me and said, you're throwing pearls before swine. 
And I had a hard time giving up on them. But one of the ways that we see this is Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians that the gospel is a deadly savor to the wicked. You know what a deadly savor is? It means it smells of death. You ever smelled death? I bet you have. I bet you smelled death. I bet you've been driving along. You stopped and there was a dead animal someplace close. Everybody knows what a dead animal smells like, don't you? You know what a rotting dead animal smells like. You don't even want to be around it. At the end of the Chronicles of Narnia, at the end of all things, the, the doorway opens into the new world and into heaven and, and some dwarves are sitting right at the door, door and, and they don't see the sunlight. They're blind to it. And so they're sitting in their blindness and they think they're stuck in the stable and, and there's a feast, that's t- a table that is set before them and the best food, the most delicious food is before them and, and the kids are like, please eat, take, eat this food. It's so good. And one of the kids picks up the food and puts it to one of the dwarf's mouth and 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 he curses her and says, you just put litter stable in my mouth. The taste of this beautiful thing tastes like litter from a stable. Now, kids, if you do not know what litter stable is, you can go over to the Cheney's house and meet their horses and go into their stables and they can work you for a whole day and you can clean out stalls, right? You know what litter stable, you two girls know what litter stable smells like, right? Can you imagine eating it? Well, the gospel to those who are perishing tastes like litter stable. It's death. And so pastors are supposed to figure out, is this a dog? Is this a pig? Is this a child of God? How do you do it? Jesus does it in Matthew 15 by calling a woman a dog. That's how Jesus does it. The Canaanite woman comes to Jesus. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. So Jesus is in ministry. He's doing his work. He's healing people. This Canaanite woman. Canaan, bad place, guys. Kids, bad place. Filled with wickedness. They did really, really bad things. God wiped them off the face of the earth. They're bad people. This woman comes to Jesus and says, Hey, Jesus, can you heal my demon-possessed daughter? And what would Jesus do? Sure. She's healed, right? Wrong. But he did not answer her word. And his disciples came and begged him. Oh, good. Maybe Jesus didn't hear her. Maybe the God of eternity didn't hear this woman speak. So his disciples are going to come in and fix it. They're going to say, hey, Jesus, this woman really needs help. Wrong. His disciples said, send her away for she is crying out after us. God is not a safe God. You approach him at your peril. You approach him in And you find out who you are. And who you are is not good. It's not pretty. So now Jesus has to answer them. And he says, I was sent only to the sheep of the house of Israel. His answer to her prayer request, her answer, please save my child, is a resounding no. In fact, 
God does not hear the prayers of the wicked. That's why Jesus has chosen not to hear her prayers. He made that decision to remind us of what it looks like. So what would you do? If you were the woman and you asked Jesus to heal your child and he says, no, I've come for Israel. Well, you know, okay, but I'm still desperate. And she came and knelt before him and said, Lord, help me. Can you hear her? You ever been there, moms, dads? Lord, help me. And he said, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to dogs. What is he calling her? Calling her a dog. This is the God that we are attempting to worship right now. This is the God who makes whips and and beats money changers. This is a God who, who calls people vipers and whitewashed fences. This is the God who, who's coming. Michael Card wrote a song and, and he spoke of who Jesus was. And it says, seems to me I've imagined him all of my life as the wisest of all of mankind. But if God's holy wisdom is foolish to man, he must have seemed out of his mind. For even his family said he was mad. And the priest said the demons to blame. But God in the form of this angry young man could not have seemed perfectly sane. The Jesus that we find before this woman, the Jesus we find in the cross, is the same God of Joel 2. The God of wrath. And when God arrives on scene, it is not party time. It's judgment time. And the poetry is amazing. Verse 3, fire devours before them and behind them a flame burns. So, kids, what does that mean? What does it mean that a fire devours before them and is behind them? The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, but behind them is a desolate wilderness and nothing escapes. You ever read the Bible and think, huh, what, what? Yeah, there's those times. But we need the context. So in chapter 1, he calls a nation up to harm, to to do damage to Israel. Chapter 2 is about an army that showed up and is destroying everything. What army is Joel talking about? Verse 4 of chapter 1, the cutting locust, the swarming locust, the hopping locust, the destroying locust. God has raised up locust in such a way that there will never, ever, 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 ever be a plague of locust like what they saw on that day. That everywhere they looked, there were locusts. But you know what? Locusts, that's fine. Because you know what I know kills locusts? Fire! Right? All we have to do is burn them up. Fire devours before them and behind them, and they keep coming. The land of Israel, land flowing with milk and honey, an unstoppable force. Burn them, crush them, fight them. They are coming. Kill a billion, and you will be overwhelmed by billions more. 
And so I want to do an experiment, something that that, uh, Richard Pratt liked to do. What I want you to do right now is I want you to close your eyes. Go ahead, close your eyes. Picture Israel. Picture the, the rolling hills around Israel. and Picture the green coverage. You're looking east towards the ocean and, and the mountains are all around you. And you turn around and the locusts are coming. And their appearance is like the appearance of horses. Can you see them? Like war horses, they're running. They're, they're rumbling of chariots. They're leaping upon the mountains. They're crackling of a flame of fire devouring the stubble. A powerful army. And before them, the people are in anguish. Their faces grow pale. Like warriors, they're charging. Do you see them? Like soldiers, they scale the walls. They, they march everywhere. They do not swerve from their paths. They do not jostle. They burst through every weapon that we put before them. They leap upon the city. Can you see them crawling all over the city? Can you see them on the walls? Everywhere you look, it's not one or two. It's covered every square inch. And they climb into your house. And they enter your windows. The earthquakes before them and the sun and the moon are dark. And the stars withdraw. Do you see them? Can you see them in your mind's eye? How would you feel in that moment? Between this army of destruction, there is you. Now think about yourself. Look up at me. Think about yourself. A people in anguish. All the faces grow pale. The people are dying. We we live in this. This is where we live. And the locusts are, are not physical, but they are certainly metaphysical. They're certainly spiritual. The, the, the army of the Lord is marching across the land. And there is no obstacle that can stop them. There is no plan. There is no advisor to be summoned. There's no army to be called. There's no fire that can burn them up. They come. They relentlessly come. And this is the day of the Lord. We call a scientist and he says, follow the science. This is just a natural phenomenon. We call a politician and he says, you know what? Let's just listen to the scientist. We call a pastor. And he says, this is the terrifying day of the Lord. Verse 11, the Lord utters his voice before his army. And he's not talking about the church. His camp is exceedingly great. He executes his words in power. The day of the Lord is great and very awesome. Who can endure it? God's voice is thunder. He brings terror. The day of the Lord is a dreadful day. It is a day that he fulfills the curse placed upon Adam and Eve in the garden. Darkness, not light. Calamity, not peace. And this section ends in the horror of the simple question, who can endure? Who can endure? In our lives, if we we had a book of our sins and and we had it in here, we we said, you know what, Lord? I can endure because I turned my life around. I can endure because I turned over a new leaf. I can endure because I read this other book that gives me the seven steps to being a better me. Who can endure? No one. 
Rowan, are you dogs or pigs? Are you a dog or pig? You ever feel like you're a dog? You ever feel like you're a pig? Do you ever feel like you pray and God doesn't respond? You ever feel like you pray and you push it and you feel you feel these words, shall I give to the children, shall I give to the dogs what's intended for the children? Every person born of man, all of us, we are dogs and pigs. We do not have a right to sit at the table, not the table of children. Weird people put their dogs at the table when you go over, right? Like if you went over to have dinner with somebody and they said, oh, here's my pig. He sits at the head of the table and they put a plate before him. Would you stay there? You'd be like, oh, we're at the house of a crazy person, right? We wouldn't eat at the table like that. So are you dogs or pigs? Well, maybe I'm a child. No, there's only one child of God. The only begotten. There's only one begotten son. Begotten, not made. There's only one true child of God. The Canaanite woman. Matthew 15, 25. But she came and knelt before him and said, Lord, please help me. And he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And she said, yes, Lord, even even the dogs get the crumbs that fall from their master's table. In that she's confessing, yeah, she's a dog. In that she's confessing, yeah, that bread is for the children. But she's also saying the church has rejected you. And the crumbs are falling. The blessings you're trying to give the church, they are casting aside. Let let this dog get a crumb from the master's table. And Jesus answered her, A woman, great is your faith. Be it done to you as you have desired. And her daughter was healed. There's only one child of God. But wonder of wonders, he he adopts us as his children too. And we receive the blessings of a child. We, We, being dogs and pigs, receive the gifts. The dreadful day of the Lord is not the end of the book of Joel. In fact, next time we're together, verse 12 is going to begin. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me. Rend your hearts, return to me, for I am gracious, I am merciful. I am steadfast and abounding in love. And I relent over disaster. The locust army that moves through your fields today cannot be solved by science, a politician, a self-help book. It can't be solved by you getting your act together. It can't be solved by somebody else getting their act together. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, you and your household. Believe on the Lord and yours is the adoption as children. You get to to forego his wrath. Flee from Canaan, brothers and sisters. Cry out to Christ. Hold on to him. Declare that I will not let you go until you bless me. 
Repent of your sins. Turn from your wicked ways. Flee. Flee to the one who turns dogs into daughters, pigs into sons. Flee to Christ. Let us pray. Lord God Almighty, we are dogs and we are pigs. We are unworthy of anything but but slaughter and contempt. The dreadful day of the Lord is upon us. It is coming. We do not know how many generations you will endure of man, but we know that we will be gone. In the twinkling of an eye, we will be done in this world. You will come for us. So, Lord, we would beg that you would allow us in faith to kiss the Son so that he is not angry with us. For his angry, who can, for the anger of the Lord, who can endure? None. Lord, thank you for turning us from dogs into daughters, from pigs into sons. Thank you that by faith you've changed our world. We would beg that you would bless your people now. That we would rise up. That we would flee from our sin. And that we would pursue you that we would fulfill the law to love the Lord our God, but that we would also love one another well. And Lord, remind us that we are not going to be judged by how others love you. And we're not going to be judged by how others love us. But our duty is to love one another, to love you. Lord, give us feet that we might fly, fly to the cross that we might find, instead of an angry Lord, a loving Father. Thank you for adoption. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The table that is set before you, it's not my table, it's not the elders, it's not Roanne's table table of the Lord. The Lord set it for you through his agency of of bringing the session together. But he set it for you on the first Passover. He set it for you on the night in which he was betrayed by becoming the Paschal Lamb and and giving us an abbreviated, much abbreviated and, and much better sign for you came in today and we're not killing a lamb on the table up front. We're not putting blood all over. Instead, Lord, we are gathering together to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so let us commune together and let us rightly discern the body and blood of Christ. Let let us discern that, that the blood of Christ was necessary to bring us a propitiation is to make it so that God was no longer angry with us because he got angry and poured that anger upon the Son. And so, as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of Christ. So therefore judge judge yourselves 
Not judge yourselves as holy, but judge yourselves as needy. But you judge yourselves as desperately needing Christ. Repent of your sins. Flee. Believe on the Lord and you'll be saved. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment upon himself if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick and a number sleep. What that means is that if you take, there are people in this country taking communion in an unworthy manner. And they get sick and they die simply by doing this wrong. So judge yourselves rightly and you will not be judged. The elders can come forward to set the table. passing out the elements and then we'll take them all together. Uh, the table, the split tray, there is wine and there is grape juice. The grape juice has a blue dot on the top of it. Or some people think it's a hole. If you would uh, contemplate the Lord as we prepare for his supper. gathered together for the Passover feast, Jesus took bread and he broke it and he gave it to them. He said, take, eat. This is my body. Let's pray. Lord God Almighty, we would beg that you would help us to understand your body 
the body that was perfectly made, the second Adam, the, the child that was placed in the manger, who had committed no sins, but was also not marked with the sins of Adam, the child born of a virgin, who lived a perfect life and never did anything wrong, who died on a cross. But, but more than that, Lord, you have given us the honor of, of adoption, of calling us children when we were not, and adopting us into your family. That adoption is real and it is true and it changes the world. Lord, you give us a new title, a new name. You call us the body of Christ. And so, Lord, we would beg that you would help us to understand, that we would discern, that your spirit would move in this place, and we would understand what it means that your body is here. And to love the church, to love one another, is to love Christ. Move, Lord, please, with your spirit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. On the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. He broke it and he gave it to them. He said, take, eat. This is my body. After this, he took a cup and he poured wine. And he gave it to them and said, this is the blood of the new covenant. This is my blood poured out for many for the remission of sins. Drink from this, all of you. Let us pray. Lord God Almighty, once again we ask your spirit to move. Move in our hearts and our minds and our souls. Move that we might understand the atonement. That we might understand that outside of your blood we have no hope. Outside of your blood there is no remission of sins. And yet, Lord, you gave yourself over. You gave your blood. That in the spilling of your blood, the wrath of God might be satisfied for all who believe in him. Lord, let us trust in you and believe on Christ that we be saved. In your son's most precious name we pray. Amen. Likewise, Jesus took a cup of wine and he gave it to them and said, Drink, eat, or drink this, all of you, the blood of the new covenant. Let us pray. Lord God Almighty, thank you for all that you do, all that you work. Thank you for your labors on our behalf. Thank you that you, being the only begotten, delivered to us salvation. But you did not call us to make us slaves in your house. You called us and made us sons and daughters. Lord, bless your people. Help us to understand redemption. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.